0: I see new
1: Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And today we're speaking with Heather Horton.
2: Hi, I'm Heather Renee Horton. I'm a psychotherapist as well as an internationally known professional astrologer. I am a single mother of two amazing teenage girls. I am an extroverted and loudmouth foot-in-mouth Sagittarius. And I don't even know where else to take that. I feel like that spoke for itself.
1: So I actually met Heather in 2016 when I made an appointment to have my birth chart read. And when I walked into Heather's office, she looked at my chart and then she looked at me and she said, oh, honey, just so you know, the tissues are right here because I have a feeling there'll be some crying today. And I thought, what is this woman going to do to me? But the truth is that by reading my chart, she was able to tell that I am a crier. And you guys know that I am a crier. So (laughs) it was a really eye-opening experience for me to go through that process with her an hour and a half session where she read my astrological chart and told me a lot of things about myself that I thought nobody ever could have possibly known. But she seemed to know by reading this birth chart. And I was amazed. Turns out that Heather and I have a lot in common. and We developed a friendship and have been friends pretty much since then, which is interesting because when I asked her what healing is, her response is, my instinct is to say tears.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Dirty little secret I'm going to let out of the bag therapists, there's something about when we see you cry, because we know if you see your therapist grin a little bit when you cry, some of them could be a little twisted. Sure. Bad jokes. But that's the moment we know you're having a breakthrough. That's the moment we go, oh, yes, that's it. That change is now beginning. It's a wonderful place. Why is that? Why are tears the indicator of a breakthrough? So when I was a kid, I remember my mom always watched like Dateline and I'd watch it with her. And I mean little kid too. So I don't even know that I was following. I was just like, oh, look at these important people talking. I do remember one time, I think I was like 10, and the subject was crying in tears. And they had done, they, whoever they are, right? They had done a study on tears. And it turns out the chemical compounds of your tears change dependent upon what you're crying about. So... There's this moment that happens in therapy when those peptides, those chemical compounds, those hormones that have been building up in the body for so long based off whatever it is that you're in therapy for. When that seal breaks and those tears drop from your eyes, you literally are releasing chemicals associated with pain, trauma, sadness, grief, happiness, joy, whatever it is, finally is releasing from the body I'm like, of course that's healing, right? Because what would happen if it doesn't get released?
1: I thought that was so incredible, right? That we talk about tears being part of healing, but there's actually a scientific component behind crying.
3: I can not believe that. I can. Because another thing that we talk about is that tears and crying are healing and It is a release, but it's also cleansing. And so I can understand how we have tears that are the grieving tears and the breakthrough tears, but then we also have the tears that are like the happy tears and the gratitude tears and how those can be different chemical compounds.
1: Absolutely. I think that's beautiful that what we instinctively know about tears is proven by science. That's like incredible. She talked about similarly that release of sweat also can release those chemicals.
2: Those chemical compounds have to go somewhere into the body. This is why exercise is also a big deal. And one of the first questions a therapist will ask you, do you exercise? And why doctors ask this question, it's not even necessarily about physical health as much as it is about psychological emotional health, because sweat and tears are the release systems of these stress compounds.
1: It's as much about your psychological and emotional health as it is about your chemical health, and how physical illness can sometimes be the result of unhealed emotional illness, and that we need to release that. We can release it physically and emotionally, and how they're connected with one another. And again, like I think we intuitively know that, and it, it's powerful to have a professional who's educated in these things validate. That connection between emotional health and physical health.
3: I agree. And I think that in this segment of talking with practitioners and specialists, there are various forms of healing, like exercise, physical exercise, absolutely. Even chiropractic care, I think, is a form of release because it is readjusting your body and probably from physical things that has gotten us out of alignment, but also emotional and mental things that has gotten us out of alignment. And then also massage therapy, which is why a lot of times and I've only noticed lately on the healing journey that a lot of these terms and the things that we do to heal our bodies or to manage our bodies has therapy at the end of it, right? Like, so massage therapy, therapy therapy, dance therapy, music therapy, art therapy, all of it can be a form of therapy to help heal parts of ourselves. And it is, I think, only most beneficial when we acknowledge it and when we are aware.
1: Absolutely. So she actually talked about, she has a chart on her refrigerator that connects different parts of the body to different emotional triggers. So the example she used was her back, right? So you talked about the chiropractor being a healing modality. She was saying that if your back hurts and you look at the chart, there's often an emotional component that shows up in our backs, which makes so much sense, right? How many of us are stressed and hold tension in our shoulders? And so when we say, oh, this part of my body hurts, it's usually related to some emotional burden that we are carrying. And so my leg hurting might relate to a different emotional burden that I'm carrying, than my back hurting. And so this chart that she has connects physical pain to an emotional burden that we're carrying.
2: Of course, the food you're consuming, the quality of air you're breathing, we can take all that into account. But when you really, really, really get down to the emotional core of things, I'm sure we've heard the book, The Body Keeps Score, the body is constantly communicating with us about what's going on. As a matter of fact, I have these awesome charts on my refrigerator that explain that. And I've shown my teen daughters and now it's fun to see them go to the kitchen. You'll see my athlete, you'll see her kind of move her arm around or something and look at this chart and make the emotional root connection and go, oh, there it is. I'm in a situation happening in my life and part of my back hurts. And I went and looked at the chart and based off what it said, I had this beautiful aha moment. I'm like, and guess what? The pain is already dissipating because I've acknowledged I can have that moment of like, that's what this is connected to. That stress, that upset, that trauma, that grief, whatever it is, it'll go somewhere in the body. Someone else just recommended another book that's similar to that. And I can't think of the title of it off the top of my head. I think Louise Hay I love Louise Hay's work, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. I use her work a lot, and she was so ahead of her time. She's putting this book out back in the 70s before people in the psych and medical community are even thinking about studying this. I mean, maybe they were thinking about it. I don't know. But she was ahead of her time. But the emotional route to physical illness is a real thing.
3: That um, makes a lot of sense. One of the things that is a huge enforcer or influence in my life for being super intentional with my healing is the fact that I oftentimes think about my grandmother and that generation before the boomers, right? My mom is a boomer, which was her child. The silent generation. The silent generation. Absolutely. Because she also suffered in silence. She had a lot of physical ailments, if you will. And because we were like best friends, I know a lot of that had a lot to do with her emotional and mental state. And so she experienced a lot of pain and it was very hard to watch with her being such an amazing person and to just constantly be in pain. And the thought of she was so used to constant and persistent pain was something that I think about today. My sister and I, we have these conversations about being mindful of that. And when we feel physical pain to address it and go deeper, right? What is causing that? What am I holding on to? What am I not acknowledging or what am I not dealing with? Although she was a beautiful and amazing person, we also don't want to be like her in that way where we are constantly in pain. Pain, it should not be normalized, and being able to address and be in tune with your body to know what's causing that pain, I think, is super important and can help us to get into a pattern or a cycle of constantly releasing that pain instead of holding it in our bodies.
1: Pain is a signal. It is our body telling us that something is wrong. It should not be something that we live with. It is something that needs to be addressed. I mean, the reason that we feel pain when something cuts our skin is so that our body is alerted to, hey, something just happened. You got to deal with that, whether it's a tourniquet or stitches or a Band-Aid. And similarly, when emotional pain manifests itself in physical pain, it is a signal to, hey, something's not right.
3: Also, like just transparently in this moment, my back is like inflamed. And I got into an accident two years ago and I have more inflammation from that. But also I try to be mindful And take stock of what's going on in the moment, especially when I'm busy a lot. It's just like, what have I experienced on the spectrum, right? Like from physical, mental, emotional, all of those things that could be causing what's going on. And so like, I will do things to try to release. I'll try to take some deep breaths and fix my posture and be mindful of the things that I'm feeling in my body so that I can get to the solution of releasing that. And sometimes it is like actually saying, like, whatever this is that I'm feeling, I release it. You know, and I don't have to do kind of hand gestures. I release, I release, pulling it off my body like I cleanse. I am not holding space for things that need to be let go of. And so I think that is a practice that I do when I am mindful
1: of the pain in my body. Do we want to see what Louise Hay says back pain is? Yes, please, because I was going to ask. I didn't know if you were going to share. All right, so I have the book. All right, so I have Louise Hay's Heal Your Body. So there's another book, You Can Heal Your Life, which is a bigger book. This is kind of like the cheat sheet that just has the list of your body parts and then what it represents. So for back, it says your back represents the support of life, and if your pain is in your lower back. It represents a fear of money or lack of financial support. Middle is guilt, stuck in all the stuff back there, like get off my back. Upper is a lack of emotional support, feeling unloved or holding back love. There's mantras that go with each of those. For upper, it is, I love and approve of myself. Life supports and loves me. For your middle, it is, I release the past. I am free to move forward with love in my heart. And lower back is I trust the process of life. All I need is always taken care of. I am safe. And any back issues, it's just I know that life always supports me. And then there is a chart where it goes into each vertebrae, and you can actually identify what each vertebrae means. Basically, the idea here is that each vertebrae actually supplies blood to different parts of your body. So if you're having pain in a certain vertebrae, its effects can then be shown in different parts of your body. And so then it's related to a different emotional connection because each vertebrae is supplying blood to different parts of the body. That makes a lot of sense.
3: I think it is super insightful. I'm going to go get the book.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's the thing about Louise Hay's work is that it intuitively makes sense to me. And then science has come along 30 years later And backed up many of the things that she was saying. It's just, it's incredible. It really is. I mean, and I think that
3: there is always a root
1: cause.
3: And it behooves us to go deeper. Which is why, again, I think if we can't say it enough, is why the healing journey is so important and impactful. Because it truly does take us on this journey of figuring the shit out. Why do I show up the way that I show up? Why is this thing happening to me? Why am I feeling these things? It's all about the why. And when you get to the why, you can start to heal the surface level things, right? Go deep to heal the surface.
1: Absolutely. I asked Heather how or why she became an astrologer.
2: I remember in fifth grade being on a school field trip to like a bookstore. It had to be a bookstore because I purchased one of those little tiny books on Sagittarius. I still have that book to this day. And I was really into reading my horoscope and trying to figure out myself and figure other people out, often because maybe I had a crush. And then I got to age 28, 29, and my whole world was falling apart. And my horoscope said, life is great. You're the happiest you've been. Everything's wonderful. And I called bullshit. Things were not wonderful. I was in a bad marriage. I had two babies in diapers. And I had nowhere really to channel all my anger and upset. So I decided to take it out on astrology. And I was going to debunk the subject. And I thought, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm young and powerful. And I'm going to research it well enough to be able to insist it gets removed from magazines and newspapers. And that journey led me to fall deep into the rabbit hole of this beautiful and brilliant language of astrology. And at the time I owned a mortgage company, I shut that down. I left my marriage and I decided to enroll in graduate school for psychotherapy and started my astrology practice.
1: So... I have a personal experience with you, obviously, as an astrologer, where I was going through a dark time and it happened to be medical. So I had just had some major surgery where my uterus was removed and I was really struggling with that. And so my personal experience was that was having my chart read by a professional astrologer who was able to say, oh, Saturn is at this point in your chart and it's pointing to fertility And what happened 15 years ago, because it looks like X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, that happened in my life 15 years ago and how it's related to what's happening now. And so when you say things like it helps you to see that you're right on time, it's about where the placements in your chart may be challenges. It did not change the fact that I was still recovering from major surgery during a pandemic, It didn't change that, but it allowed me to feel like, okay, this is the time. This is the season. I'm right on time.
2: Yeah, right on time. There's something about that. Our solar system is this exquisite clock, and there's so many layers to that clock. And when you understand this language, you understand why certain times of your life dance the way they do. And then as each individual sits back and ponders those patterns you have these wonderful kind of psychological psychospiritual aha moments in your consciousness and then when you reach those aha moments there's so much healing that comes with that and so much awareness of opening up possibilities for your future Because when we stay stuck in these loops and we don't learn from them and grow from them, these cycles will repeat and repeat and repeat. And you go, why is this happening again? Why is this happening again? Some of it is because that's just how you're designed or how the cycles are playing out. But the aha moments allow us to open the possibilities from the repetition of how am I in this again? It's
3: also interesting the various ways that we can use The different modalities.
1: Yes. And so we focused on how astrology and healing are intertwined. And she shared how when she started researching astrology when she was 28 or 29 and was trying to debunk it, that what it actually gave her was to help her to understand that it was temporary, that it had purpose and meaning, and that it was on time.
2: And that changed my perception of absolutely everything. It absolutely changed my life. Saved my life, really. I was in a dark place. I would say suicide ideation was extremely high at that time. I was married to a man who told me every day he hoped I would kill myself. And the deeper I educated myself on astrology, my chart, my transits, the more I realized, despite the pain, it didn't take the pain away. It didn't change things, but it absolutely gave it context and made the hellscape purposeful. And then once I did get out of that particular cycle, that time frame, even to look back on it, it, was like, ah, the meaning, the depth, the purpose. So can you break
1: down for us, what is astrology?
2: Well, when we break down the word, right, astro and ology, anytime we're looking at an ology, we're looking at the study of and then astro being the stars, right? What astrology is, is the study of human behavior in relation to celestial patterning. And magazines and newspapers, I used to say that, I'm going to just say it, I used to say is the Britney Spears and like pop astrology. And I like, Britney, please forgive me because I feel like that is not doing you the justice as an artist, but it's still pop. It's still like bubblegum. And then scholarly astrology. And I will tell you, most professional astrologers, most, not all, most of them hold high level degrees, master's degrees, PhDs, published authors. We're talking some of the most brilliant minds on this planet are practicing astrologers. And then we can also look at kings and presidents and leaders throughout history typically have a consulting astrologer whether the mainstream is aware of that or not. And so we have the bubblegum astrology that's in magazines and newspapers. And what's beautiful about that is it keeps astrology alive, right? Sun sign astrology. And then when you get into actual work with an astrologer, you're looking at the entire natal chart. You're looking at the sky, the celestial sky. For that date, time, and location of that individual's birth. It's very, very specific to them. You know, somebody would have to be born at the same date, time, location, and in the next room to be your astro twin, right? So, yes, hundreds and thousands of people are born a day, sure. Are they born at the exact same time as you at the same location? If they're not, then you'll share some similarities, but the storyline of your life, the details start looking a little bit different. You will cycle the same, though, which is really fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, magazine, newspaper, astrology is sun sign stuff. Having your natal chart read is your sun, your moon, where Mercury was, where Venus was, where Mars was, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. And then we can get into asteroids, and then we can get into fixed stars. And the deeper you go into those layers, the more, one, you start questioning free will. But even then, I believe in free will. And I believe that astrology gives us the opportunity to respond with our free will in a way that promotes healing. But we have to look at the details of a natal chart to even see that.
1: She said that she has seen over and over again how... Understanding your personal chart can give context to the patterns in your life. So, if I know that I have Saturn in this place in my chart, Saturn is a taskmaster, Saturn's going to cause upheaval, then I can understand that this is something that's on time but this is also temporary.
3: Yeah, you know, patterns I think is something that is really interesting to me because we all have them and It is highly important to pay attention to them. I recently broke a pattern, and I'm actually very proud of myself. I mean, the growth that I've had in the last four years, that has been making me so emotional in a gracious way because you get to reflect on the patterns that you're breaking. And one that I recently broke was with a guy. We've been connected for, this is year eight, and I just now got to a place where what we have is actually not healthy. It is an ideal that we've created together and also individually of what it would be like if we were together. But in reality, what we have is not that healthy. Not that either one of us are bad people, not that he's a bad person. I actually respect him immensely and think he's a dope ass person. However, When it came to looking realistically at the pattern of our relationship, he has a great mouthpiece. He says a lot of good things, but in action, they don't play out. And in that action, I am actually being hurt by it, even though we are like deeply connected to one another. and could potentially be soulmates, but not romantic soulmates could just be more so, like, we are soulmates in the work that we do in the world, right? And we have to not conflate the two. We have to be very clear about that. There is absolutely a physical attraction. However, romantically, it just wasn't working for us, right? Every time that we would come back together, and it was, like, at no real effort of our own that we would boomerang back to each other. But when we did, it was just like, oh, we want to be with each other and all this stuff. But I was like, okay, Kiana, like... Wake up, really wake up. You're very clear about what you want in your life and in a partner right now. You're an adult woman, you're healing, and you know better, right? Like if you continue to go down this path and continue this pattern, you're only gonna continue to hurt yourself. And so I was able to, through therapy also, you know, and talking it out and my therapist helping me to understand and telling me that trust yourself, trust your instincts, trust your gut, that helped me to break that pattern of the ideal that we created for ourselves. And I was able to write him a very, very, very vulnerable email to release myself and to release him from me. And Bridget, I cannot tell you the freedom and liberation that came from that after seven and a half years. And I'm just like immensely proud of myself and I haven't felt the need to revisit and, He tried to reel me back in after reading the letter because this is what he did. He was like, first and foremost, I didn't think he was going to read the letter because in the past he has avoided the end of us. And after reading it, he responded immediately like that letter made me love you and desire you even more. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, you're good. (laughs) You're good. You're trying to reel me back in. But no, I've broken the pattern. So like when we talk about patterns and astrology being a tool to help us understand the patterns that we perpetuate and that we are in. I think it's really important to understand the patterns that we have and to really assess those things about ourselves because it is a part of the healing journey in order for us to let go of things that no longer serve us or probably never served us and to get to something that does.
1: First of all, that's incredible. Congratulations. That's a lot of work. Bridget, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm, like, really happy here. (laughs) And I think that it is true. Like, we have patterns and the knowledge, of our patterns can help us to address them. And so Heather used the analogy of a ship at sea.
2: If you are the ship at sea, you're on these uncharted waters just going through life. We all are, right? And so we have this beautiful celestial map that has imprinted upon us at the time of birth. And that imprint sticks with us as this mathematical vibration that we're living and then these cycles come through to teach us whatever we need to be taught and the astrology the understanding of that allows you to grab the helm of your ship and steer through the crashing waves that are on deck if you don't know they're coming you're going to be in a lot of trouble you could be on a sinking ship Right. If you know they're coming, there's an opportunity to steer into it. You know, it reminds me of being a teen. And when I started driving and we live in Ohio, so we get icy roads. And my dad had taught me, you start to spin out on ice, steer into it. Don't resist it. And I think so much of our lives are spent resisting and and trying to avoid and push back. And when you steer into it, when you grab the helm of the ship, then you know how to navigate those waters. You have less seasickness. You have less flooding of your ship, so to speak. I think it's a beautiful language and a beautiful tool for life navigation, for psychological wellness.
1: Which I think is a pretty good analogy for understanding the stars. So Heather's also a therapist. So astrology actually led her to becoming a therapist. She said she was interpreting charts for people, and she found over and over again, people were coming to her in crisis.
2: that were having things like life-changing surgeries, death of a loved one, deep grief or depression. And so I entered grad school in order to learn how to work with people, which led me to a master's in mental health and then a license as a psychotherapist.
1: What a fantastic segue.
2: You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So let's talk about that. So as a healer, it's like you've got two weapons at your disposal here. You've got astrology, but you also are a therapist. So let's start by talking about that journey. So you started talking about what was the catalyst, but talk about the catalyst for pursuing your master's degree and how you got here.
2: On the one hand, as a young child, I always thought, I want to have a PhD in psychology by the time I'm 40. Like, that was kind of the kid goal. So I always kind of wanted to go into psych. But then when I started interpreting charts and had those crisis moments, I had a couple of clients early on that I had my moments of going, oh, fuck. What do I do with this? The thing about astrology for me is I felt very big responsibility to do right by people's souls. And that weighed on me, that I did not necessarily have the professional skill set. I mean, I had the intuitive skill set and the empathy just all naturally is who I am as a human, but the actual educational skills on what do I do when somebody is telling me they're suicidal? What do I do when they're in such a dark place? Sure, I can interpret the stars, but what's the mental health piece here? So that really led me in that direction,
1: and I don't regret it. Okay. So now that you are practicing, and I understand that there's only so much that you can share, but now that you are practicing, how do you see the differences between where you experienced, where you felt like, I really am not qualified for this, right, versus today where you are? And... Talk a little bit about that experience for you. We talked about the experience as an astrologer. Maybe talk of the experience as a therapist.
2: So cycles repeat, right? So as I graduate and go into internship for mental health, same kind of ideas when I started 10, 15 years earlier doing just the astrology charts. There were moments of, oh, man can I do this? This is this is a lot. You know, you get some serious clients coming in and you're novice. Yeah, you're educated, sure. But you can read all the books and write all the papers and have all the class discussions you want. But when it comes to sitting face to face with somebody who's literally putting their psyche into your hands, that's a big deal. So fast forward after internship and once you become skilled at such a thing, It does become a lot easier,
1: sure. Yeah, anything you do with practice gets easier. Now she's armed with both of these tools that she can help clients who are on the healing journey with one or both of those modalities. I think it's an incredible and kind of, um, at least in my experience, a unique combination Yeah, it is. And also, you know,
3: the way my mind thinks, I'm always like, what is the theme in all of the stuff that we're doing, the healing and conversations that we have with people? And it is really that we use these modalities for direction. We're all human beings trying to figure it out and doing the best that we can. And we seek these things out to give us direction in how to move forward. You know what I mean? And so it's really interesting that All of the modalities, the root cause of it all, is just like we're trying to find our way. Yes.
1: (laughs) There's lots of different types of therapists as well. And so she talked about one modality, which is cognitive behavioral therapy.
2: Modern ideas of psychotherapy include something called, which I think a lot of people have already heard of, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which has outstanding empirical evidence for wonderful results in healing everything from grief and trauma to physical issues. So cognitive behavioral therapy has a lot to do with we can lean into mindfulness, we can lean into positive psychology with it, same but not the same. The idea that the brain is essentially a computer and what you put in, you get out. And so having the conscious practice of monitoring your thoughts and even overriding your thoughts like control delete at least i mean i'm at an age where we use control delete to reboot the computer i have a feeling these younger generations have no idea what i'm talking about but the idea of rebooting the system rebooting the computer with a totally different thought pattern i actually had a client earlier today and we did this and hers was i don't want to overshare It was something to do with the brain. And in Louise Hay's work, she said that problems in the brain have to do with, like, a rigid way of thinking and a certain stubbornness. And the new thought pattern was, I see life with joy. I open my mind with ease. And so I had her just keep repeating, I open my mind with ease. Or you could say something like, my mind experiences the new. And... I had to repeat it three times because anytime you repeat something three times, you seed the brain. And when you seed the brain, just like when you plant a seed in the ground and you take care of it, you water it, you give it sunlight, give it some love and attention, it will grow. Same idea. So what happens in the brain is once we seed a thought... And you water it and seed it, meaning you repeat that thought pattern over and over and over again. You develop a neural net pattern in the brain that will fire off and kind of overpower, override previous negative thinking when those pop up because those are also strong neural nets. When we're always like, "I'm so tired," "I'm so tired," "I'm so tired," "God, I'm so tired," or "I'm sick and tired." People love that line. Right? I am sick and tired, and then you end up sick and lethargic all the time. That neural net pattern's firing really strong. So we want to override it with some sort of other pattern, which eventually, if you can fire them back to back, if that makes sense, if your negative thought pattern fires off and you can purposely override it, like fire off the new one, you will eventually grow the new one and dismantle the old one. And over time, if you just keep doing it and trust the process over time, your life will change. It's a beautiful, almost miraculous, but yet very science-oriented thing.
1: Is that similar to mantras? Is that similar to, like, positive affirmations? Sure.
2: We could absolutely look at it that way. I think the trouble that happens in the psych community is we don't want to be too bubblegum about it. We don't want to be too pop and flowery about it. But yeah, so mantras work, positive affirmations all fall in that realm.
3: So for me... What that is, is goes back to words have power and affirmations, positive affirmations, which is something that we both use and what we think we become. So it is highly important. And actually, part of my daily routine is to read Proverbs every day, every month. And I can't remember exactly which one it is, but it's what we think we become and the power is in the tongue, one of our smallest organs, but it is the most powerful because we have to be careful what we say because our words become our actions and our words become our reality, which is why when you state a goal and when you state an aspiration or something like that and you write it down and then you get into the habit of making that your reality, it becomes your reality, which is why I believe all things are possible because I believe everything that I say, (laughs) which is why I have to be very cognizant of what I say and making sure that it's
1: more rooted in positivity than negativity. Absolutely. She used the example of when you say, I am so sick and tired of X, Y, Z. Absolutely. Then you guess what? Now you're sick and tired. Whereas, you know, one of my mantras is my energy is infinite. That feels very different than I'm sick and tired. My energy is infinite. I can pull from that well. I can keep going because my energy is infinite. And That's exactly it. Our words have power. And what's so awesome is that the science, right, the science backs that up. I have this one affirmation that's on my wall and it
3: says like several different lines, but it says today I will be happy. I will choose wisely. I will be brave. I will speak confidently. I will love fully. And I will be the best version of myself. And I say it every morning, every time I see it and I go into my office because where I put my pillows and I'm like making my bed (laughs) and I'm like walking in and out and I'm like saying it. And when you set the tone for your day, right, like it's so important to have daily routines where you pour in before you pour out when we go into the world, because it sets the tone for how we navigate the day in our lives and interact with people. And so when you're a person like us who are constantly interacting with people, it's really important for us to pour in and to fill our cups so that when we do what we do, what we've committed to, we're pouring from
1: the overflow and we're giving from what we have. You know, I just got a flashback to being at a conference that you were leading a breakout session about positive yeah. <laughs> words and about and you had all these printouts on the wall of different words of affirmation. And you did this whole conference and workshop about the importance of not only saying those words to yourself, but making them visual because seeing them every day and repeating them in your mind has a powerful impact on our psyche, and then that shows up in our lives. CBT, cognitive yes. behavioral therapy. I love it. <laughs> I asked Heather how to find a therapist.
2: It's a beautiful question because sometimes it's trial and error. It's important to find a good fit for a therapist. That's so, so, so huge. And a lot of that, you know, I think we should put the responsibility on the therapist to make sure it's a good fit you know sometimes i think that's not always acknowledged and and i don't know what that is i think a lot of therapists are just so empathetic and caring and they want to help even if they're not a good match with the client and vice versa so don't be afraid to try out more than one i know it's annoying to have to retell your story to a new person every time but the right fit can change your life. Absolutely. Of course, Psychology Today has resource where you can search for people and take the time to read what they have to say, what their focus and their specialty is. I think there's a reason our pictures are included, because you can look at somebody and be like, yeah, I, I vibe them, as my teens would say. I vibe that. You know, and maybe you wouldn't. You know, it depends. You know, years of practice doesn't necessarily mean the best of practice either. Some very green therapists are absolutely outstanding.
1: I think that's reassuring. I don't know about everybody else who's said therapy, but I definitely have had situations where the therapist wasn't a great fit. And finding someone who is a fit, who feels good for me, is important for my healing process. 100%. I recently
3: found a new therapist, and I definitely use Psychology Today But if I may add some tips on that as well is look at the language that they're using, the words, the way in which they talk, what are the things that they are saying, and then Also, take stock and assessment of what it is that you actually need. Like being aware of what you need is also helpful in the process of finding a therapist because there are therapists that are specialized in certain things like trauma-informed therapists and family dysfunction or sexual abuse. So being able to read those things and then also take that a step further. Don't only read it. Check out their website. Then also go check out the reviews. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is a process. And then, yes, it is a trial and error. One thing I love about my therapist that I have today, I did all of those things. I loved everything that she said on her website. It resonated with me and what I needed, especially coming from my last therapist. I needed somebody who was upfront, And one of the things that was important to me was how do you receive? Do you receive insurance or payment or whatever? How do you do it? My therapist... It has to be out of pocket because she is not trying to misdiagnose people to get paid. And one thing, if I may add, that I found out about my last therapist is that in order for therapists to get paid by insurance, they have to diagnose you as something. Now, be mindful of that and ask your therapist, what is the plan based on their assessment of you in your first initial meeting? What is it that they think you are or what have they diagnosed you as? Because it could be a misdiagnosis that you don't agree with. So first, my therapist was listing that on our website. And then when I submitted the intake form, she called me like literally 30 minutes later. We had a conversation and we vibed so well. And she was just continuing to be forthcoming with information where that was a quality that I was looking for. And she made me feel comfortable. And the fact that you as a therapist are being paid, whether through insurance or out of my pocket, Being upfront with me and direct with me is important to me. So understanding what it is that you need and what's important to you is also a part of that search for a therapist.
1: I found my therapist by word of mouth, though I asked around, hey, friends, I'm looking for a new therapist. And being able to talk to someone who gives a recommendation, like that was huge for me. And it turned out to be a great fit. And honestly, if I had gone on Psychology Today, I probably would not have selected this person. But. Because I had people that are close to me say, this person would be really great and here's why, I was able to find a good fit. So I think also being open with friends and family, there are probably more people in your life that are seeing a therapist than you know about. <laughs> right. Shoot, <laughs> Ask around. So I also asked, how could we get started with astrology?
2: It's very accessible. It's becoming very mainstream and pop. If you have any Gen Zers in your life, they're definitely talking astrology, although not exactly accurately. And I think that's part of the dilemma, right? When you're not speaking accurately, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble, and I will get to answer your question. I kind of went on my own little tangent there. So it is important to understand. It's like with any language, right? If you say, I don't never... Uh, you're going to have a little problem communicating, right? Same idea with astrology. If you speak it incorrectly, there's a translation issue that happens. So, again, the good news is you can find almost on any social media platform somebody's talking about astrology somewhere. If you want to get a little more serious about it and less pop about it out of the newspapers, out of the magazines, out of the quick TikToks, then I highly recommend astro.com. Robert Hand and Liz Green are involved in that website. They're phenomenal. They're like world-renowned published authors. They're brilliant people. And you can pull your chart for free there. Can you interpret your chart? No. Unless you are studied at astrology, right? It's hard to interpret. So obviously you want to either locate a lot of literature, find a lot of books, get a library card, or find someone like myself, find an astrologer who is skilled at interpreting that language for you.
1: I would definitely agree with that. So I have had my natal chart read by more than one astrologer. And just like a therapist, there's a match. It's something that I would not have been able to do on my own, but also allowed me to take that information and do more research on it. So, yeah, have your chart read. I asked her what she wanted to leave us with. She said everything is on time.
2: You are exactly who you're supposed to be. Astrology shows us that. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. And everything is on time. The good, the bad, and otherwise, everything is on time. And when we see that and we accept that, life becomes all the more magical.
3: I liked that. I love that. And I agree. I think There is a perfect time for everything and nothing happens by happenstance or for no reason. So everything has a purpose. And I think that if we try to stay in that light of everything has a purpose and constantly asking yourself, what is the lesson here? Or what is the purpose for this happening? What am I supposed to get out of it? We'll have a much better experience and not only... Allow our feelings about the situation to dictate what we think and feel, but also really kind of understanding that, okay, I feel this thing and it doesn't
1: feel good, but why is it happening? And sitting in that. One of my mantras is life is happening for me, as opposed to life is happening to me. That perspective change allows the challenging things to be lessons rather than what the is happening. And when she says that, Is magical. It really is. Perspective changes everything. Yes. Well, this has been Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And we want to give a huge thank you to Heather Horton for sharing with us as a practitioner, as a healer, her journey, as well as a lot of really great tips and tools that we can use on our healing journey. So thank you.
0: I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. The audacity of you going through it all, the audacity of you, trusting self all along. I see new life. I see new